Hello and welcome to Lost Art. I am Gar and I am here with Paul. That's him. Uh, this week we're going to be doing something a little bit special. Yeah. I like this one. Yeah. You came up with this one on the fly. No, I had this in the, in the bucket for Was a while. it in the bag? Yeah, but I just forgot about it. You pulled it out there the other day on me and I thought that's fucking perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Because I judge bands on this shit all yeah, so the time. We drop out on bands with this. We, Big we, time. We, we, we lose contact with them. So what we're going to do is keeping up with the kids. Okay. Um, bands that kept up with the kids. Well, yeah. tried to. Tried to. So basically, if there's an actor, a band, or a singer, or a rapper that decided that the current trend is where they would like to be, how for they money. change. For <laughs> absolute. For fucking coin bags. Well, there's a few people in this that... Yeah, this is loose enough, isn't it? There's a, like Most of these are like, the trend is happening now, we need to keep relevant. Uh, we're going to do a sound, something that sounds like what sounds like now. Yes. Jesus, wow, that's a, such a bad sentence. Well. So, so bad. It works. <laughs> it works. Um, um, some of them worked out, some of them didn't. We'll be discussing the results. It was it was interesting. As I went through, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I did resort to Google to get the juices flowing. It t- I, I had two off the bat. Yeah, I didn't want to miss. It. I didn't want to miss any big massive. Yeah. so I had to re- listen. We do that sometimes to jog. Oh, absolutely. Um, there was two in particular I knew I wanted to do, and one of them is not on uh, Spotify, and I wanted to do. Uh, I can, I'll talk about it now when the lead. Well, well, you know what we'll have. We, I was going to say I don't think we're going to do a second one of this. No, honest, no. So I have a few uh, honorary mentions for afterwards. Yeah. Well, here's my first honorary mention. Right, D Ramon. Yeah. When he left the Ramones, he started a rap career. Called, Brilliant. And it was his name. I don't was, think there could be a better option for this podcast his, than that. His name was D.D. King. Oh, amazing. All right. Now, it does not exist on Spotify. Oh, that's a shame. Now, that I, I, ideal. I've done some beautiful digging. If anybody can find it on Spotify, maybe it's part of some compilation. I could not find it. Um, he had the lead single was called Funky Man. Oh, oh fucking. Oh, 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 now, I know the song. It's the grimmest of the grim. All right. But, uh, it does exist. It is out there. D.D. D. D. King. And uh, he gave he gave some beautiful interviews while he released this album. And like six months later, he gave some absolutely killer interviews, like retracting every single thing he said about this that, album. That happens, that happens a lot with these yeah, people, it's actually. Beautiful. They, they were just... Uh, it's all the drugs. It's, that's all it was. D.D. Ramon was made of drugs at this yeah. time, right? <laughs> now, also, D.D. Ramon probably wrote some of the best Ramon songs. Yeah. So, did he write uh, some of the best rap songs? Uh, he most certainly did not. <laughs> he most certainly did not. But um, I, go, I couldn't find it on Spotify. That's the one I wanted to lead with. That was going to yeah. be my heavy hitter. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, got, so what's co- your one of yours? of the heavy hitters I left were Starship. Mm. Nothing's going to stop us now. I have a Starship co- reference in one of mine. Really? Yes. Coming from like Jefferson Airplane, who then became Jefferson Starship, then Starship. The reason I didn't put them on it because the lineup changes were so drastic yeah, that it didn't really make uh, sense to put yeah. them on it. The, the band didn't really change. The band changed before the sound changed, so no point. Very much. Uh, Metallica flip-flops all over this, but it's really hard to put Metallica's <laughs> yeah. defining moments of keeping up with the kids properly. Well, Meta- Metallica are defined by whatever producer they have in the studio. Exactly. Believe, and, so. and, and like I had like... I had stuff off the Black Album, but then I realised there was more. There was still power ballads before then. Also, full on one. fuck the Black Album. Well, really? It's atrocious. I can't no, do it's it. Not. It is. I hate it. No, hate it so much. I like it. And it was one of my major lead-ins to Metallica, but now I cannot listen to it. Um, fuck Bob Rock. Does it? Does it? Does bands that have been on the podcast so much, like Coldplay, are yeah. absolutely whatever's happening. Oh, now yeah. we'll do that. If Gl- it's a, Glitter Stadium Rock, scum band. Yeah, Linkin Park. We all know Linkin Park went pure pop. Uh, Chris Cornell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Cornell did a pop Timberland. album, and it's atrocious. 
Uh, a big one for me that was on the list up until today where I had to ship them out for something else was Paradise Lost who went from gothic metal band to synth pop. The, the same can be said for Celtic Frost. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, yeah. Paradise Lost are like a, a Celtic Frost kind of tribute band to a degree. Yeah, yeah. So those would be the ones that we wanted to put in but for whatever reasons, uh, they didn't make it to the list. Well, so. tell you what, hit me with your fourth one on the list. My fourth one on the list is, and this band do it a lot, but this is one instance where they did it where it was absolutely unashamed what's cool now and that's Korn doing their their, uh, almost touching dubstep album when dubstep was big so 2010 I can't can't stop breathing in there's not enough air in this fucking room helmet Korn have always been electronically based in some shape or form but this is when they went really into you know the the Path of Totality is the 2010 album the song is Narcissistic Cannibal with Skrillex you can't of course de- it is. You can't deny that you're jumping on a bandwagon if yep. you're literally... The, the bandwagon... Dubstep was a bandwagon. Yeah. And they can't say... No, pretty much made by one guy as well. Let's yeah, yeah. Well, let's yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, do you know what the thing about? Does some of that like low-key dubstep, the kind of mellow stuff was actually all right. I will fight anybody to the death that that Rick Ross and Skrillex song off Suicide Squad is not a banger. Limousine? It's un- pink li- pink, uh, purple, purple Lamborghini. Purple Lamborghini. It's outrageous. Pink Limousine. Pink limousine. <laughs> That's an outrageous song. It's savage. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm calling it. Dubstep was never going to able. It no. was never going to have the legs to stand long enough. It's just this sort of uh, ADHD flipping between beats and chopping stuff so much. It must take. It must take ages through a dubstep song to get all the bits that keep. There are a lot of parts to it already. Yeah, loads of parts. Just in the first four seconds, you hear like three different songs, three different shit songs. Mm. But um, John Davis said that he wanted to do something we weren't supposed to do. And create something that is different and doesn't conform to what's going on. Guess what? Absolute horseshit. It's dubstep. And this song, it's, you know what? It's still corn. It is still corn. Yeah. And it's not even a bad song. It's not even a bad album. It actually was received okay. We're going to talk about the results, hopefully. What it did, the effects that it had on the band. I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I know. I I, I was never a huge corn fan. And, um,. I only know the fucking Hibble Dabble songs. The fucking... Yeah. Something takes a yeah. part of mine. Yeah, I know those songs. And I know the, the Adidas song. Great song. And uh, that's a probably... I know the, the song that Todd McFarlane animated the video for. That's it. The guy who... The Spawn. That artist. was uh, Follow the Leader, I think. Follow the Leader, yeah, I believe. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. They were kind of trendsetters in the new metal thing because it was groovy. Really, really groovy. Mm. And... Uh, Good elements of rap. I felt their elements of rap was kind of unique to everyone else's going, let's put mm. rap next to metal, sort of. So there's not really a lot to be said about this. It didn't... The results of this, <laughs> decent reviews, and the fans liked it. It will never, ever be mentioned as a footnote in Corrin's career, I don't think. As apart from now. We're, we're doing it now. Because I'm, I'm looking at the Narcissistic Cannibal featuring Skrillex and Kill something or like It looks like a remix. Kill the noise. Yeah, but the whole album has is, is kind of like uh, it's got loads of people on it, and they're all credited to help write it with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, 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 it, it's, a, it's, a, it's it reads like a like a remix, but it's not. It's an album. All track. the songs almost read like remixes. They have okay. loads of people on the Skrillexes on it, like a two or three of them. Hmm. Um, it's one hundred percent keeping up with the kids. Dubstep hmm. was massive at the time. John Davis, I think, 
became a DJ because I went to see Corn in the Olympia and he came, he came out as Jay Devil oh. Jay Devil oh. or something like that and did a little set of, of, oh. of scum music of before it. yeah so he was I don't care he's keeping with the kids he bought in um, I would say that a huge amount of dubstep pioneers were Corn fans mm. so we'll give him that um, listen keeping up with the kids it's my, my starting point of when a band went what is big now? Let's do it now. No, no, they're not all like that. So, mm. what is your uh, what's your one? My next one is a uh, strangely enough maybe my favorite album by this band, and it's a uh, it's Kiss, and the album's Unholy, and I picked the song. Uh, sorry, the album's Revenge. Revenge, yeah. And the song is Unholy. Um, this would have been the lead single off. This would have been God gave rock and roll to you, off Bill and Ted. Yep. Okay. Which is not even really their song to rework and have another song to cover to a degree. Oh right. Um but this was the first Kiss album to feature them without makeup. And oh they, yes. They wore like flannel shorts and leather and all. Yeah. So this was this is nineteen ninety two. You know what the gas thing is? The more I read about and look at all my dates, grunge had oh, a absolutely effect. massive effect Monster. on all these bands. Monster effect. Yeah. There's a couple of bands I have on my list that were all affected. I'm looking at my dates going, Holy shit. Yeah. That, that early nineties flip flopping yeah, everywhere. Um, so they brought in Bob Ezrin as their producer. Now he had done one or two things with them in the past, but since they had worked with him, he'd gone on to do like Deftones, Jane's Addiction, yeah. Nine Inch Nails, Cool the Shaker. Like he went on, he was He's really good. Yes, he went on and kind of spearheaded a lot of movements. Um, this is the second single of uh, Revenge. It's also, I think, maybe the second single ever by Kiss to have a lead vocal by Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons done the, done the lead vocal. Did a lot more before that. No, I think he had one that charted. It is. This is this is their first song, um, or the first album since nineteen seventy nine to make the top ten. Well, this album so it really is. It is, up it is very very much so. I, I, I actually I got lucky. They um, they reissued this on LP about two years ago, and I got it for free off a friend of mine who's a DJ who hates Kiss who bought it the day it came out. And uh, I remember putting it up on Facebook or something. Does anybody have a copy of Revenge? Yeah. Because I, I really wanted it for DJing. Yeah. I want the God gave rock and roll to you for DJing. And uh, one of the lads, Keen, just showed up a week later. I said, listen, this is a fucking atrocious album. This, get this out You can straight up have it. Yeah. And it's I'll fucking, pay you to take it off. Fair nice. play to him. Word of fucking fortune. <laughs> so, <laughs> fair folks to Keen. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's super. Uh, actually, the song itself is really, really good. It's yeah. probably one of the heaviest Kiss songs. And it, it's, you know what? It comes at a time. There's a few... There's a few Songs on our list where it's not just the album, they did something big and taking their makeup off was massive. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. And that's a real yeah. notable thing. Yeah. And that's, that, pisses, that pissed fans off more than Revenge did. Big time. Um, it, it, the album itself is really, really good. I do enjoy it. That song uh, by itself, Unholy, is super. Um, that song was written, I'm trying to remember, I think his name was Vincent. He was in Kiss for a while. My brain now has turned to mush. He was in Kiss for a while. He got kicked out. Wasn't the cat, was he? No, I can't remember. One of the, the star. He was, he was, was the one that was... I yeah. can't remember. He was in Kiss for a while and then he was kicked out for being a prick. But they kept him around well, as a songwriter. Well, he must have been sound. He must have been, yeah. He must have been mad sound. But they kept him around <laughs> as a songwriter um, because he was shit hot at writing songs. Yeah. And um, this was their first attempt at kind of building a few bridges yeah. with uh, getting him maybe back in the band and writing some songs and apparently by the time this album was actually released they were like this dude's an absolute fucking scumbag we want none of the day <laughs> um, so he was one of the, the songwriters on this him and Gene I think wrote this one together it's a super song but it's very very much in keeping with what was happening 
um, in terms yeah. of like heavy and alternative music. Do them good or bad? I think it's done particularly well. Yeah, like I said, these did. Well, the idea of this is to do good financially it was commercially. The, it was like uh, the first top 10, like I said, first top 10 album they'd had in 25 years. Yeah. You know, so it was important. And, and Kiss are one of those bands that they put out another one afterwards called, I think it was called Carnival Souls. It was oh, soon yeah. after. And that was, like, that was kind of in keeping with this. And then eventually they realized that their classic fan base wanted that classic rock, yeah. that kind of glam element. They kind of went back to that. And Grunge was like. Grunge was dead at that stage. So yeah. they, they just decided to fall back on what they yeah. knew. Uh, what's your next one? My one is Aerosmith, uh, Living on the Edge. Mm. Grungy as fuck. Yes. 1993, Grunge is kicking off. Aerosmith have always been really good at adapting, but not losing their sound. So I'll give them that. They have gone from hard rock, blues, they did glam, but they've never lost the sound of Aerosmith. And they're really good at adapting. Well, you can smell an Aerosmith song from a while. You really can, yeah. So they still have the same type of solos that you're going to hear, the same type of guitar work. And this is why, this this is a success story for me, this song. This will Mm. be in the results section we're talking. Fans loved it. Massive, massive commercial success with it. The rest of the album isn't massively... Get a grip. Not massively grungy. I remember but, that but album. But the, the videos were all so 90s. Hmm. So crazy, crying. Um, but Living on the Edge is the most 90s video. Of the I, remember 90s that, most. I remember that album coming out. Edward Furlong, I think, is in the video, yes, isn't he? Yes, yeah. I believe so. Um, I remember that album coming out. And that would have been around the time where, like... Everybody was obsessed with like collecting uh, cassettes at the time. Yeah. And if you were into tunes, you had like walls full of cassettes. And um, I, I always remember people going out and buying like the first Rage Against Machine album and Get a Grip. Yeah. It was just Get a Grip. Yeah. It was just one of those albums yeah. you had to get. You know, even if you weren't necessarily into what they done before, the word on the street was, yeah. "This is a shit album that fits into what you're into now." I think regarding keeping up with the kids, they were very good at. Doing it without losing anything. Yeah. And Aerosmith have always been fucking incredible at that. And they went on to do very poppy stuff with like yep. Pink on Nine Lives and stuff. Nine Lives is a good album, though. Mm. I really like Nine Lives. Yep. But this is the one to me that went. Because I wasn't a massive Aerosmith fan before the 90s. Mm. I noticed they had a lot of kind of like. It's cl- classic and hard rock and a lot of blue. I would, have bluesy. On, I would have only known the Run DMC stuff, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. So this came out and this turned me on to all the Aerosmith before mm. it as well. I was, it's still, still to this day, I'm not a massive Aerosmith fan. I, I, I never turned them off. But They're the greatest I, hits band for me. Yeah, I, n- I never go down that rabbit hole of no. Aerosmith. You yeah. know, people are often talking to me about shit hot Aerosmith songs, and I, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's not long. So I think get a grip in general of the success, but really living on the edge for me is a, it's it's grungy, it's bluesy grungy. It could you could play that next to Soundgarden, and you'd be fine. You could get Chris Cornell to sing it. And it sounds like a grungy song as well. Good. What is your next one? Picture the scene. It's 1980. 80? 1980. Right. Disco was almost, almost done. Yeah. Almost. Who steps up? Who? Queen. Yes, they did. Queen step up with the album The Game. Now I picked the song, another one bites of dust. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. This is probably not the greatest example of Queen jumping on a bandwagon, um, but you can hear, 100%, you can hear um, what they experienced in the years leading up to this. Yeah. Um, so the game, pretty much the album was written by John Deacon. I think it was one of the first albums where they just let him loose. And I think Deacon was their guy who wasn't too bogged down by trying to sound traditional or, yeah. or trying to go with that Queen sound. It's hard to do with a Queen sound. It's so weird anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Another One Bites the Dust comes out 1980. 
and uh, the whole album is much more synth-driven. It's kind of a post-disco yeah. type of feel to it. That is literally a handshake between the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, this song itself is the longest-running top 10 song of 1980. Really? Yep. It's also Queen's best-selling single. You know, what, as much as I'm not a Queen fan, yeah. like, I'm not going into it's, all that again, but yeah. I do love this song. It's so simple, you can't, yeah. you can't help but love it. It's, it's just stupid. Also, here's something cool I read. This song, when they recorded it, they didn't know what to do with it, right? They were recording this album. They were going down the more kind of synthy, um, disco-y kind of route. But Deacon had this bass line. And he was like, I really wanted to kind of do something a little bit different with it. I didn't know what to do. Eventually, they found themselves sitting down at a table with Michael Jackson. Ooh. Okay. They grab a hold of a hard copy they had, whether cassette or seven, whatever yeah. they had, probably, it would have been probably, a, it wouldn't be at that tape, whatever they had, some reel to reel, whatever. They grab a hold of uh, Michal. Jacko. They grab a hold of fucking Michael Jackson, they drag him down to the studio, they play it for him, they have the song finished, he turns around and he goes, lads, unreal. That's the song. That's you, from him. Yep, from Michael Jackson. all that time on the Billie Jean bass line. Yep. He says, that's the song you've been waiting on for your entire career. So that's the one that's going to make people dance. That's the one that's going to make people remember you. Yeah. So you absolutely, that has to be put out as is. Can you imagine Michael Jackson singing that? I already can in my head. Yeah. Now apparently what happened is that uh, when Deacon was writing it, he was giving notes to Freddie all the time um, about lyrics and where the vocals oh, should right. be and all this kind of stuff. And uh, you, also, you have to let the bass line play from the start oh, yeah, for a good bit. Yeah, exactly. But apparently what happened when they got into the studio to record it, uh, Freddie just went... I have it in my head already. He ignored everything Deacon said. He just yeah. knew because Freddie was yeah. that much of a kind of a virtuoso. He just knew and he just belted it out. Apparently, he sang so hard for so long that his throat was bleeding, his blood coming out of his nose, and Jesus. everyone recording the song. That was pre-AIDS as well. Yeah, that was pre. Yeah, well, yeah, would have been. Yeah, would have been. Maybe he had it. He was walking around. Just like AIDS light, L I T E, you know, T M. <laughs> he was walking around with that for a little while. But uh, also, here's another fucking mad thing I learned. This is really cool. The bass line. For another one, bites of dust. It's used in the medical profession to teach uh, to teach chest compressions. I, I knew that actually. Yeah, oh, you it did not know. So staying alive, actually, is it for, for when you're doing? What's it? No, sorry, staying alive is for when you're reviving someone uh, who's drowned. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So it's like that yeah. nose pinch, breed. No, thing. just uh, the pumps. Oh, yeah, the chest pumps. The chest pumps. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's what this is used yeah. for as well. So, so this guy is good for that yeah. because it's 110 beats per minute, and the heart beats are between 100 and 120. Yeah. This is a beautiful middle ground. And so, staying alive and another one bites the dust are both two different things in terms of keeping someone alive. One yes. of them is not making it. One of them is not. One of them is. And one of them is absolutely dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this is again, this is Queen's best-selling single, so it was absolutely received extraordinarily well. Yeah, now, you know what? It's undeniably a fantastic song. It is. It's super. It, it, it's, it gets old after a while, but like... Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's still... When Freddie goes up, up an octave, yes. it's brilliant. Yeah. Gives to give the song because if you have a, a, a song with the same bass line going through it, you need to start upgrading every few bars, and they, and he does he helps a lot with exactly. that. Exactly. What what I like about that song is that Freddie gives the song space. Yeah, he's not trying to fill in every split second. Yeah, well, that's the sound of an incredible lead singer. Exactly. He knows when to let the music yeah. do its thing. What's your next one? My next one is Pink Floyd. Take uh, it back. Big fan of these lads from the <laughs> yeah yeah from the nineteen ninety four album Division Bell. When I first heard this song, um, I thought it was listening to a new U2 song. The intro guitar yeah, it is sounds like just it. so U2. And in my head, I'm like, where? This is just a bit of fucking uh, ground here. 
This is the second album without Roger Waters. So you're losing a massive, massive amount of Pink Floyd. Yeah. And it's also the 90s, which is really Pink Floyd over Stand Our Welcome. Pink Floyd fans don't like that. But I don't, fuck off. Yeah. I don't when, I, when I think of like 90s Pink Floyd, it doesn't sound right. No, that's what I'm saying to you, yeah. Now, the Division Bell song, and that album isn't really particularly very bad. Mm. But just for a bit of context as to how new this was really for me, this went up against Parklife in 1995 in the Brit Awards for Best Rock Album and lost to Parklife. But that's what I'm saying. Pink Floyd were going to be... Like, they were still doing stuff then. Now, it was without Waters, who then came out and said, this album is yeah. absolute rubbish. You would never put Pink Floyd and Blower together in a sense. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, so ever. I really just feel that there's a huge edge influence in this song. And when you hear it, you're going to go, holy, it's that Evo delay. And I know that he didn't really invent that or whatever. Pink, he probably, he's, he probably lifted off them. Lifted off them. I couldn't find a really good example of, of when Pink Floyd did that before. And mm. I'm sure the comment sections are going to light up. Good. Good. But when I heard this song for but the first time in the like. 90s, and I was like, that is fucking you too. Yeah. It sounds like the start of Where the Streets Have No Name or something like that. And, like, <laughs> and it doesn't really, it still has a bit of Pink Floyd. There's a lot of wanky, wanky, wank in it. The album. The Division Bell song wanky, itself wanky, is, wanky. is fantastic. Again, it's not very pushing the boundaries as Pink Floyd did. I know you're not a big fan. They, they do nothing for me. But uh, Zero. I think it is... If if you're Pink Floyd in the 90s, you are 100% keeping up with the kids no matter what. You can't, what are you going to release fucking prog in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, Forget you it. can do it. But you, you can't. No, so not without Roger Waters as well. So <laughs> you're down. They're keeping up with the kids. It, uh, listen to this song and you're going to go bang of you two after. It's also the first single off the album, so it's really? not just random okay. song I'm picking off. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, they they led. This is their best foot forward, like best foot forward. This I actually like this song a lot. Uh, lyrically, not great. Um, musically, dull. Yeah. But and as far as like if I it would not make my top fifty Pink Floyd songs, which is why it is. It wouldn't make mine either. Which is why <laughs> none of them would. must be said. You zero. You have silence for every fifty. Must be said. Fifty minutes just of silence. Listen to something else. Listen to Bear Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Same job. Roy, that was my one. What's your next? Uh, my next one is it's nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven. Nineteen sixty. Motherfucking seven. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Brigade has just come out. Yeah. Who who jumps on the bandwagon? Everyone. The Rolling Stones and oh, of course. Rolling Stones release uh, their Satanic Majesty's Request, which yeah. is their psychedelic album, right? But they didn't uh, start off psychedelic. No, fuck no. They were like a basically Garage a Rock? Moody Waters fucking. No, oh, they were straight to the blues. Straight to the blues. It might sound like Garage Rock because it was recorded yeah. in a fucking shed Garage. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, blues was like blues and rock and roll was their, their bag from the get go. But yeah, they released uh, their Satanic Majesty's Request. Um, which is a play on uh, what's stamped on a, a British passport at Her Majesty's request. Yeah. Um, this is their first kind of foray into psychedelic and experimental music. Um, uh, the song is She's a Rainbow, which is the, pretty much the only song anybody knows off the album. Right. <laughs> I don't know it. You do. I listen to it there. Cash Money, you know it. If you, if you put that on from start to finish, you've heard it. It's been in movies and stuff. It, it, right. It's literally the only song that halfway makes sense on it. Yeah, and Mick Jagger himself came out and said that album is fucking shite. The, the all, nearly everyone yeah. is, distances himself from these yeah, albums that yeah. we've talked about exactly here. Yeah. Jagger said there's like two good songs and he said he said himself the rest of it is nonsense yeah. and that is him himself saying it um, so mixed reviews across the board some people some music critics were kind of intrigued by their uh, their ingenuity to try and not necessarily keep up but uh, to try something a little bit different because they've been banging out these kind of bluesy rock and roll yeah. albums for so long 
Um, but I think most people thought this is this is fucking bullshit. We we can't have any of this. Um, it's hard to call what Rolling Stones fans would have thought when they're a mixed bag themselves. Yeah, I find it hard. I think this is again shoot myself in the foot. I find the Rolling Stones to be incredibly overrated, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I don't mean that in a mean way. I think they're important because I think they might have been they might have been an introduction to a style of music for an entire generation or four. Yeah. But musically, I've yet to hear something come out of that camp that like paint the black and I was going to say you like, be careful because you put paint the black on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no, put paint the black as, like, as, yeah. as, a, as a departure. It but was like, a departure, yeah. Like I think when they get out of their wheelhouse, they're better than when they just stick to that fucking blues. Like, this fucking standard. Like it's standard. just, yeah. I, it just seems to be music for old lads that want to just shuffle in that chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you get me? Like I, I do get you. They have nothing to me that stands out like the Beatles would or anything no, like that. No. They have. They did. I could make an album of songs I really like by the Rolling Stones. But I don't think that would even be a particularly incredible album. I'd listen to that all the time. Oh yeah, I'm the exact same. Don't get me wrong. There's most certainly songs there that yeah. are fucking amazing. Yeah. But I, I find the songs that people talk about, like "Gimme Shelter," are very much a departure from their bog standard kind yeah. of. Uh, they had a few diamonds in that, but yeah, one hundred percent. The best of the Rolling Stones is Shiha. Forty the, dicks. The rest of it, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, listen, I heard enough blues in my life to know it's it's just know it's, it's sad reggae. And it translates brilliantly. Sad reggae. Tra- translates brilliantly live if you're into that kind of thing. If you want to just sit in your chair because you're sixty <laughs> with your big stupid lip T-shirt and tap your foot <laughs> and tell everybody in in the pub in Blanchestown that it was a savage gig. I'm well, a, picking up Blanchestown because I'm, I'm, I'm from Blanche. Because but yeah, whatever. <laughs> like wh- you know, wherever you're from, you want to sit in your local pub and tell people about. No, we had uh, fucking points about eight euro or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and, and was it good though? Well, it was grand. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the time I saw them in nineteen seventy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that album in that era is not going to be remembered in the world. It's, it's not. Now, to be fair, straight after that they went straight back to their kind of blues rock fucking uh, system afterwards. But uh, it's probably an uh, it's an important departure for them because they learned. Let's not fuck around too much. Yeah. Let's not. Don't poke the tiger, you know what I mean? Rolling Stones is bread and butter. Just leave that fucking... Don't uh, add uh, olives. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, leave it at that. Leave it at that. You're immortal. You know what I mean? You're going to live forever. The band sound like an American band. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, leave it at that. Um, but at the same time, I'm saying leave it at that, and I think their best songs are when they do depart. I guess um, you. Just not that way. I, I would actually... Strangely enough, She's a Rainbow, I would put on a best of. Right. Uh, Rolling Stones I would absolutely include that on there it's a good little song it's super Beatlesy, and it's got that super kind of folky sound but th- there was a but, time when the Beatles the Rolling Stones and the Who were listening very carefully to each other of course they were very, the Who are the bastard son of that entire I, think, I personally think the Who have way more fucking killer songs than people give them credit for they do absolutely the Who are super important yeah super important yeah. they wrote rock and roll songs like nobody's fucking business I'd put them way ahead of Rolling Stones easily way ahead easily for me it's Beatles Rolling Stones oh, sorry Beatles, Beatles The Who yeah. Rolling Stones for me yeah. uh, all day long uh, but you know what I never felt that The Who were trying to copy either of those bands but they're the, also nowhere near as big no no nowhere no, no, near absolutely as big. no but I, I think that the Beatles and the Stones were listening to The Who far more than The Who were listening to either two Oh, yeah, feel yeah. like that. Yeah, they were watching each other. Yeah. Very, very closely. Anyway, what's your next one? 
My next one is Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan. The first time he went electric. First time. Now Bob Dylan's folk. Up until 1965, and folk is a thing where you don't use electric. It's a thing. You do, you're not. You're fucking. You're not. Now, keeping up with the kids is a weird playlist to put this on because I don't know if he did it to keep up with the kids. He did it because he, he Bob Dylan was always ahead of everything. Really, I'm not a massive Bob Dylan fan, but I watch so I watch I watch documentaries on him all day. I'll read up on Bob Dylan all day, but I just mm. don't want to particularly listen to his music. I find he is an artist who gives way to incredible cover versions. Yes. He writes brilliant fucking songs and other people do them better. And I think it's mostly because his voice... Me, yeah. I, I, I like Dylan. I like Dylan. Listen, again, no, listen, I can't deny Dylan. I'm just saying... More just, of a best of... Yeah. Going for me. So so I think, yeah, I think it was the Newport Folk Festival where he, he plugged the guitar in. For Finally, the offender got plugged in. And the bills came. The big bills. People they, they, knew they, it was going to happen. Springsteen covered this, and then uh, Reggie got some machine covered. Reggie got machine covered on the uh, Renegades album, yeah. I think. Um, this is from the album Bring It All Back Home, which has half non-electric, half electric. Mm. Um, his reasoning behind it wasn't... He's never going to say I was keeping up with the kids. See, if you think about it right, all of his songs that were being covered... Remember remember, someone released a song and someone would cover it a year later? Yes. A year That, that was bizarre back in yeah. the 60s. We talked about this before, like, yeah. hey, Joe, and something like that. Yeah, yeah. They were all doing electric. Yeah. The boards, the turtles. They were yeah. all doing his songs, electric. The mock turtles. The, <laughs> was the mock turtle? No. That wasn't the mock turtles. No, no. They're throwing me off here no, now. That was another band. <laughs> he said because he was bringing a smaller crew on the road, he wanted a louder sound, despite the fact that he was playing smaller venues. So, yeah. listen, the Cuntress wants to play electric. Of course. Let him be. Let them do it. Nah, nah, nah. There was murder over it in all the cities. Apparently, like in a, apparently Manchester, where people were shouting Jude or something. What the fuck? Like, it's like guitar. So Shut what? the fuck up. And yeah, yeah, I'd love to know did those people ever listen to another song with a guitar and ever? Did it's, die? it's a guitar. They, it's, a, it's a guitar with a guitar with a microphone built in. Yeah. That's it. Forget it. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. So, so we're all, all those people. Let's just say it to all those people who gave Bob Dylan a hard time yeah. when he was on the road, just trying to put out good songs for you, yeah. be a little bit louder so you could hear them. Yeah, suck my dick, suck my dick. And you went on to listen to rock anyway. With of course, you, did. you went on to listen to the Beatles. You absolutely you got sucked in by the Beatles and the Stones anyway, 100%. and they were playing electric guitars. Of course, because who the fuck plays an acoustic guitar anymore? Yeah. He also said, I think he, he was massively influenced by country at the time. He was getting mad in the country. Bob Dylan be listening to everything. Uh, Same he could rob from. I watched that uh, Blue Moon Review documentary on Netflix. Thunder Road Review. No, his supergroup. No, but the the, the oh yeah the yeah, yeah there's a documentary. Yeah. Big fan of his was Sharon Stone when she was only a baba. Really? He used to come to all the shows. Did he, he fucking start... poke on Sharon no, Stone? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Get the fuck out! But of he hung out with her and brought her backside with, with a man, translucent, with a, a translucent with... minge in that film. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> tell whether she it was minded or wild. No, no. <laughs> or CGI. Yeah, <laughs> that Jurassic Park CGI. Yeah, she was. Uh, she went to all the Dylan shows with her ma, and uh, they got um, they got to become friends. Fuck up. No, this was in the six. This is around sixty five, sixty six. Oh, maybe a bit later. Maybe it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Although she's not. She's not a young. One. It's two thousand and twenty nearly. I keep forgetting it's not nineteen ninety four. Okay, let's put it at like closer to seventies when he was doing. No, no, it was around this time. I'm pretty sure when he was doing this tour where he was going electric, going to smaller venues. I think Sheridan Stone. Sheridan Stone. Ah, oh, Sheridan's lovely. Ah, Sheridan. Sheridan Stone. Sheridan Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan went electric, keeping up the kids. Maybe if absolutely. Not, He'll do what he wants anyway, he's Bob Dylan. Maybe more of an evolution than keeping up the kids. More as in, you have to eventually do it. Of course. Everyone did. 
Who's your next one? Uh, a band I don't really give a fuck about and uh, know very little about, but when I was rooting around online, uh, for examples... Just checking you weren't missing the... Ma- yeah, I did that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something so glaringly like, we, we obvious. We can go through our own collection, but our own collection is still, even if it's big... It's our collection. It's still narrow oh, in yeah, the yeah. world of music. Absolutely. So you don't, you want to have... you have to If we're doing pod, podcasts like this, we do need to have our oh, yeah, memories jogged. Listen, this is... We, we've talked about this before. There's, there's, there's days worth of research goes into these. Yeah. And, and uh, when I was rooting around online, a couple of threads and articles I've seen all mentioned the Scorpions. All of them mentioned the Scorpions. Yes, yes. I noticed that as well. Yeah. And I was like, I think you were going to do it so. And yeah. Scorpions are strange fucking So bones, I went, like, I, I know Scor- Rocky like a hurricane and whatever the fuck, yeah. right? All the normal shit that people would know by the Scorpions. So I just assumed they were like a kind of a classic-y heavy rock type of garbage band trout, survivor eye the tiger bullshit. That's, yeah. I, I just assumed that that's what you're dealing with. Now, when I They're, kept seeing that name... Do you know why? Because that band, to us, in Ireland, are a tag-along bit part player. But in Europe... I, I guarantee they're huge. No, they are fucking... They're stadiums in Germany. Well, they can keep them. They can, you're absolutely they can straight right. up happen. They can absolutely yeah. fucking keep Keep the Scorpions, yeah. it'd be grand. No, but they are... Like, you know, <coughs> we talked about this before. When I go over to a festival in Europe, I don't understand the lineup. System, you're like Rise Against are ahead of this band, and yeah. Volby are ahead oh, of fuck Volby, fuck them so much hard. Fuck a Metallica listener to Europe, Europe and America, obviously. Well, actually, I reckon America would be closer to the way we look at things, maybe, yeah. and England. But you go to Europe, there's something about Europe, man. They that. have their like the Scorpions are the major players there. They're playing the headliners, oh, head fucking liners all the time. Keep them. Absolutely. Keep them. Just don't bring it over here. So anyway. This song is called To Be Number One. Right? It came out in 1999. Spelled with two yeah. B, is it? No, no, no. It's two <laughs> no, B, we went on the stage. Two B, N, O, one. Uh, the album's called Oi, Two Oi. And Oi is like the two. one, one, one. one. No, it's not even two, it's one, one. Oh, one, one. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they kept mentioning it, kept mentioning it. So I said, fuck, I better listen to this song. They keep talking about it all the time. Now, I need to do some research. And I forgot to do it before this podcast. So somebody else, please answer this question for me. What year did Barrel of a Gun come out? Depeche Mode, Barrel of a Gun. 1997. Was it 1997? Yeah. Oh, Fuck, Ultra. We're fitting. We're fitting in. Brackets are now closing. Right? Yeah. This fucking 97, album, possibly 98. But right? No, no, no. 97 for a single. This album, start to finish, has this weird fucking synth rock slash... Pop is the wrong word because when I think of pop, I think of like boy bands and girl bands. But I'm talking about chart music yeah. uh, from the 90s and 80s. I'm talking about like actual bands making catchy songs for housewives and fucking elfless in their car to listen to, right? Yeah. This album is just, it's like a lift. It sounds like the Scorpions listen to Depeche Mode, like hard, hard, yeah. and then decided. Because if you think uh, about it, Scorpion's German. The Pest Mode are possibly biggest, bigger in Germany than anywhere else in the world. Possibly. 100%. So, yeah. So, makes so sense. They took, they, they left this kind of classic hard rock persona and they took on this electro pop kind of rock. And it was, it was so in keeping with like, because I remember. Actually, funny enough, when we mentioned earlier, Paradise Lost were doing that around the same time as mm-hmm. the Pest Mode were doing that as well. Trend fucking setters, lads. Big time. Now, this song was written by Peter Wolf. And Peter Wolf wrote songs for Chicago, Frank Zappa. 
Starship and the Commodores. Right? Oh, right. He was like a go-to guy. I believe it's one of the only songs on this album where he that, that he wrote completely. Now, if he turned around to them and said, listen, I'll be listening to what's going on. Right? Just see that Depeche Mode? See that fucking like weird like I thought that the like, Ultra had this like industrial feel to it, like, industrial metal feel to it, but they never committed to it. They took their Depeche Mode sound and they gave it more well, instead of fucking do 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 it was Yeah, but if you think about Dave Gann's voice being so bluesy and solely mm. and gospelly, you can it can't go too much in that vein. Absolutely. They, he has a feeling they, ba- they balance it, yeah. everything to a fucking exactly. But Scorpions went down that road there. Right, you listen okay. to this song. His voice could suit it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that soulful, same type of thing. Like fucking mammies and daddies grew up banging to his fucking voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like up in the fucking Berlin Wall, giving it the full lemons. Yeah. And this album here, it's not bad. It's not terrible, but it's fucking weird as fuck. It doesn't make any sense in their little niche that they have carried for themselves. I, I I don't know I don't even know I've no idea if they play any songs from this album on the, on their live show. They, this could be that forgotten album. Yeah, you know. But it's so fucking weird. It absolutely warrants being mentioned because if uh, Barrel of a Gun, which was a huge song, huge Massive amongst the alternative alter, alternative yeah. kind of uh, the first single off Ultra, as far as I know as well. Yeah, it was that was I remember that song coming out and being obsessed with it, and that would have been balls deep. In fucking Metallica and Megadeth and garbage kind of music for me, you know. Yeah, that, that's was, that, was, that was the Pest Mode's comeback album mm. when they thought they weren't going to. There was there there was two things they could do: split up or release a new album, or release something and, dangerous. And yeah. fuck me, yeah. that album. they did. It's a super album. Yeah. I actually, only bought it on LP last week. Yeah, um, I found a copy of it finally. But uh, yeah, that's uh, you talk about. Yeah, you're I, right, I you talk about a band going from. They started in the sixties. Yeah, and they're writing music in what year is this? That was 1999 in the Scarlet. Yeah, so that is 100%. Without a doubt, keep up with the kids. Just by default. Listen to what the fuck's going on. Just That's by all. fucking default. Right, what's the next one? Scutter. Scutterology? What is Scutter your Scutterology? Scutter born onto a CD. What is it? Do you remember how much you loved Offspring? I remember how much I loved the first three Offspring yes. albums. Yeah. Do you remember how grungy they were? Now, I know they had punk, uh, and X-Nay is punk, very punky. It's not grungy at all. Okay, so, The Offspring, when Smash came out, I think it was 1992, right? 1992 was like the year that punk got back into the charts, and it had taken a good, solid break for like 20-odd years, yeah. right? So, you had uh, Green Day, Dookie, uh, Rancid, yeah. Out Come the Wolves, all this kind of shit, and Smash. Now, Smash, as far as I'm concerned, Smash and Dookie are the two big albums. They're fucking great. And they went so they're well hand in hand as well. Super. They're fantastic. I don't give yeah. a fuck. Anybody who tells you that Smash is not. No, it's for, fantastic. Forget about all, all other offspring. Now, offspring did release a song afterwards that's better than anything on Smash. The kids aren't already. That is outrageous. Yeah. That's outrageous. It's perfect. It sounds like fucking Britney Spears hanging. It's just. A pop song, it's fucking incredible. But that album, Smash, as a whole, is fucking yeah. beautiful. Do you remember beautiful. now, saying that, the disappointment when you heard Pretty Fly for a White Guy, which is the song I'm talking about now? I remember it coming out, and I remember every single fucking arsehole on the planet sell out, sell singing out. it. No, not even oh, no, sell out. Was, everyone because, I knew was calling it absolute no, sell out, but it was so big. It was... Absolutely monster. MTV was unwatchable. That's it was just that video unwatchable. It was huge. I remember the song just being terrible. Yeah, atrocious. It's rapping. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's just shy. It's kind of rappy. It's just shy. It's just it does nothing. Now here's what's weird about it. I I don't think that they were too influenced by the world around them. This is this is my problem. I'm glad you said that. This is my problem on it. But I still think they somehow weren't keeping up with the kids, but they knew where it was at and going, and they got in early. I believe that that Smash album was so fucking big and changed so... They went from, like, whatever, sleeping on each other's couches to having mansions. Yeah. Right? That That's how big that album was. And there was pretty much only two labels. I reckon only mansions came in after this. Oh, no. Smash made fucking right. outrageous money. So did Dookie. Like, if you remember... Like, I liked Green Day before Dookie and... I had all those albums, Kerplunk and Smooth Out Slappy Hours. And all that kind of, I, I still to this day, I'm not a massive Rancid fan. They're, they don't really do much for me. They're fine. I don't hate them. They're just oh, not I my find fan. Rancid hit hit a nice spot with me every now and then. Every now and, and again. After that, it's like, yeah, yeah. For me, of those big bands um, that broke, it was Offspring and it was Green Day. And Green Day lost it not soon after. Like, <laughs> yeah, Insomniac is their best album, and after that, it turns to shit. Yeah. Um, but I think that Offspring. I think that that album, Smash, was so goddamn big that they had to resort to I something. I Nirvana off the Did video of, of fucking oh, Smash. Oh, yeah, Self-esteem is their smells yeah, like 100%. Things, and If you play them back-to-back, they 100%. sound... 100%. Vaseline on the lens, the whole shabam. Absolutely sounds 100%, like it as well. Yeah. Riff, not both them, miles away. Both of them well. are murderous songs. Yeah, Murderous, killer. killer songs. Yeah. But um, I believe that after Smash, they realised that the appetite wasn't going to be there. Because even Green Day changed, like uh, Insomniac's a little bit darker than Dookie. It's not as juvenile. Yeah. Um, all of them changed it up a little bit. They realised that they had to. They had when, to. You see, this is the thing. When everyone jumped on grunge a little bit, but when grunge died, there wasn't really anything that filled the vacuum. Pop no. filled it massive. Pop the pop. When grunge died, pop came in like a horrible. Like came back angry. Yeah. Pop came back so yeah, fucking angry, especially from England. Horrible, oh yeah, absolutely. Horrible dirt from England. Yeah. 100%. And, and I think that that's why, that's why I put them on the list. We do think it's keeping up with the kids in the sense that it was still not like pop, but it was their pop. And they, I don't like using the term sellout because it was massively thrown around. But they were still on an parts. independent label, I believe, at that stage. Um, I, Americana must have made I that th- label think fucking murderous. Was it Epitaph? That, I think it was Epitaph released Smash. And maybe it was Epitaph and like... Is it a case where someone bought it because it was so I big? I think so, yeah. And started distributing yeah, 100%, it more. Yeah. 100%. Well, I think it was Epitaph released that. And Epitaph still to this day are an independent kind of punk uh, record label. But I believe they might have licensed it to somebody it's else. Like Polydor. So Could have been Polydor, yeah, Universal, one of, those, one of them. One of those that goes, we can't put this out as fast as people want it. Yes. yes. Help us out. I, I, I'll never forget... I always... This is weird. It's weird that you brought this song up. Because I have this weird... Um, connection that I make between Megadeth and Offspring. Whoa. Yes, right? And it's just a personal thing. It's nothing to do with their sounds. It's nothing like that. So when Offspring released Smash, I was like, holy fucking shit, that's amazing. And the next album, Garbage. Done nothing for me. on the Hombre. Right? Done nothing for me. Yeah, no... Done no, nothing, no. right? Done nothing. It was. It felt like it came out too quick, and there was nothing of substance on I it. I think it was. Uh, yeah, that was around where they were looking at Green Day. Exactly. Yeah, right. Was, but it came out too quick. There was nothing of, of of. There was nothing to warrant really on it. If they had left it for a year, maybe they'd have something to bang out. It's not great at, it's at not. all. But Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction comes out. The whole world stands up. 
right? Yeah. That album is fucking perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Start to finish, perfect. What comes out after any, after it? Euthanasia. Nowhere near as good. No, but it has some old bangers. There, there are some killers on it, but Reckoning compared, day. Day. but compared, Elysian Fields on that. No, 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 no. Not as if it's fucking uh, tornado salt. No. Oh, hang on. No, the song I'm thinking of is. Oh, you're kidding me because it's a great album cover. They're yeah, all anyway, great album covers. Well, anyway, they're all terrible great album yes, covers. Yes, ter- terribly great painted album <laughs> They all look like your mate's that, drawn and it's copybook. Exactly. But Brilliant. that album was nothing compared to Countdown. In terms yeah. of like its cultural significance, yeah. it had nothing to do with it. Well, because talk- it came out too quick. Do you know why they came out too quick? They were on the road, on the road, on the road, on the road. Uh, the, uh, the studios or the labels like, where's your new album? It's like, Well, why are you putting us on every single day in the world ever? While you're getting us to do this, this is why a massive album is often, often followed by a fucking album written on a tour bus. And that's all. Yeah, we talked about this before. The, the, yeah. Once you got a big killer album and you have to tour every single day of the week, how are you going to write a fucking album? No. How are you going to write a killer album? You're no. not. You're no. just going to be sitting in your shitty bunk with an acoustic guitar going, What about yeah. that bit? Oh, we just had a crash. Exactly. You're not going to do it. Um, so garbage anyway yeah so what is your next one my next one is uh, a terribly terribly garbage song from 1981 and it's Adam and the Ants and the song is Ant Rap it's brutal it's fucking this terrible. is the kind of thing that stops me listening to Adam and the Ants uh, you probably pro- realistically you probably should um, so this, this would have been one of the first rap songs that the UK was introduced to that, that charted um, 1981 rap was huge in the states, but it was still uh, it was actually more spearheaded by Blondie. Than I was else, just to about to say this reminds me of him copying, yeah, copying Blondie. Yeah, um, and it never works when people like them some do. Some fucking English white lads. Yeah, I was just gonna say. But I'm glad you said it because it's, it's not. It's, it's someone else say it. It's not. It's <laughs> not a thing. Um, so and rap. Uh, oh, sorry, Killing Joke did do, but we'll let them away with it. Yeah. I know you don't, but I like that. It's. It's just shy, but it was more. I think it was more of a. I don't know if you could call it jumping on the bandwagon or keeping up with the kids, because I think it was so new at the time that nobody knew if it was going to stick. It might have been more of just a kind of a cool thing for music heads. Do you know what I think? I think you're right. I think they they hear it and go, let's throw it in just in case. Yeah. So if we want to do that later, we can say we did it when it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I can see that. Now, around that time. Like Sugar Hill Gang, Curtis Blow, Grandmaster Flash, Fab Five Freddy, all that would have been pretty big in the US scene. Yeah. But they weren't really leaking over into the UK. Uh, Blondie were one of the first ones in Rapture. Um, the Clash were probably more important than anybody else because they were bringing rap groups on tour with them. Yeah, yeah. Around to be the fair, time. Yeah. They were supporting them. Like the whole Sandinista tour was all hip hop groups, I believe. Um, a lot of it was, anyway. They brought a lot of these uh, US hip hop groups uh, to open for them. But like, to be honest with you, there's not a lot you can say about Ant Rap. Like, it's, it's in the name of the song. It's fucking. Yeah. It's just. He's rapping about nothing. There's no real verse. There's no real chorus. <clears throat> it's him talking about the people who were in the band. And what they do, it, it it's nothing. <coughs> it's more of a, it's uh, I, I, again I can't put my finger on it. It's just not it's not good. It was most certainly them seeing something new, and at this stage rap would have been brand new. Yeah. Um, well, um, brand new in terms of of commercial, commercial yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> In terms of like being commercial and people listening to it and there being um, uh, albums would have would have been starting to come out. 
Um, you have to understand as well, when, when we're doing this keeping up the kids thing, these people are not sure whether this type of music is going to last 20 years or no, 5 years. Or it's a flash so in the pan. So some of them just give it a go. Yeah, they have a crack at it. They could be like, sh- and as well as that, he could have been a massive rap fan. Quite possibly. I fucking know. Quite possibly. Adamant could have been balls deep in rap. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But uh, if he was, fair function, we had a shot at it. If he wasn't, fuck him um, <laughs> for, for jumping on that bandwagon. But it's one of those songs that uh, will always be talked about when it comes to Adamant in particular. Um, and it wasn't really Adamant, it was Adam and the Ant, yeah. um, who were originally just called the Ants, and then we got a case of the fucking Noel Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we seem to, to get him in every podcast. And he's yet to have a song in it. Will, not I'm, not, I'm not doing it now, fuck Noel Rogers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to be honest with you, there's, there's not a lot to say about it. it, it, it it's uh, From the outside, it looks like a, a pure cash-in. Um, it may actually not be, he may have... Uh, they, they they may have just liked the style of music and went with it, but um, from from the outside, like it's in keeping with uh, D.D. King and uh, <laughs> his uh, his funky yeah. man kind of. Uh, it happened a lot in the eighties with English artists. Yep. I said before, Killing Joke did it with a uh, jump one step ahead. Yes, which I it's not good, but it, to me because I love everything Killing Joke will ever do, and uh, we're going to see them tomorrow, can't we? Uh, I, I don't mind that album and also on that album there's an, is a blueprint for Pearl Jam's Black yep and well bl- they said blueprints for everybody Killing Joke are the only band I know of in the world that can attempt a genre and be as good or better at it than the leaders in that genre yeah. but what I'm saying is they're, 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 they're the only people who would allow to do this as a forgivable yes. rap moment and they did, yeah, it, and but I, they've done everything. They did, they did everything, but this is it. Well, that was just Jazz Goldman's album on his own, wasn't yeah. it? Anyway, so yeah, well, for, like, yeah, they really I, really I don't want to bring too much about into Killing Joke because we will absolutely dissect them someday, and it will be amazing. We're absolutely going to do a Killing Joke podcast, just a whole Killing Joke podcast. Or we'll Twelve do, yeah. songs of Killing Joke's different uh, yeah. modes and styles. But yeah, and oh, I, I agree. I'd agree with your choice there, uh, Andrap. I'm Fuck not. It. I'm not a fan of. Oh, this is crazy. I love '80s music. I love. Gots love this, and I don't get it. Because it's kitsch and it's fun. Yeah, but, but to me, this airing on the side of punk. It's, well, it's garbage, is what it is. It's just yeah. garbage. There's no I denying that it's just shite. I don't like his voice. I, do I like, like some adamant and Adam and the Ant stuff. I think it's culturally important. Yeah, it led the way for a lot of stuff um, that uh, maybe relevant pop music that's withstood the test of time yeah. um, it, it has one foot in the pop chart and one foot in a, kind of an, uh, an underground yeah no yeah I get that yeah. but this is not an example but unfortunately I still just don't like that band do you know Prince Charming the song reminds me of having you know that random arse itch that lasts for a few days <laughs> and you're like what is this don't do the arse cleaned it why is it scratching? When I hear, when I hear, Prince Damming, I'm like, I just feel like, I feel like the, it's equivalent of I that. I think musically, it's, it's interesting. But that's about it. I will say the one thing about Adam and the Ant. Nine Inch Nails cover, Physical, You're So Physical. Yeah. And it made me go back to listen to his one. Mm. And his one is fucking fantastic. But I have yet to hear another Amazing Adam Dianton. Suggest one for us if you want. Here's don't a, suggest Dan. I don't think you basic I folk. Don't believe there is a super Adam. <laughs> no, Adam I really Dianton don't. Fan in I the think world. they they. Do you know what Adam and Dianton 
for, for people who wanted to dress up and not really listen to music. Yeah, they're like Mel and Kim fans yeah. that wanted to be a little bit alternative. Yeah. I think that's about it. Anyway, what's your next one? My next one is a band who define keeping up with the kids. Machine Head. Oh Lord. I like from this from this day. Well, that's not really. The video, no, the that's video, pretty. Well, the video was, yeah. Yeah, that's so, when, when they were good. Yeah, so Machine Head from this day is a new metal song. Because, you know, when the certain, when new metal came along, the same way Grunge came along, some bands were going to jump on it. When new metal came along, a few people jumped on, but no one more so than no, Machine Head. No, they went, <laughs> they went balls in. Balls they, they signed, deep, yeah. They signed the deeds. Yeah. New metal, give it to us. We're into Adidas tracksuits, the whole lot. Oh, and the, the bleach blonde hair. Whole they lot. look like fucking uh, Sugar Ray or one of those fucking, yeah. Oh, disaster. Now, come, my lady, come, come, come my lady. <laughs> now, I, I like this song. Okay. Because I like Limp Bizkit. Yes. And it's, it could be a Limp Bizkit song. Okay. Um, they have always been... This is from the, the 1999 album, Burning Red, which... Oh, I feel so bad. I've never been a, I've never been a Machine Head fan. I like Machine Head fans, but thankfully I wasn't emotionally uh, invested in Machine Head. But those poor fuckers must have been so let down by, especially if you're not into rap. Yeah, I, again, this is a pure I'm, rapping. I'm, he, he's he's not even trying to hide the rap. He's full he's, rapping. Yeah. In this. I, I don't. I, again, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Machine Head um, probably passed me by. I know. I know them. I know a couple of the big songs. I've seen them live. Um, there was a rumour for 10 years that my band supported them and it wasn't if you still look up to this day you'll see that I supported them live in uh, The Ambassador it wasn't me it, was, it wasn't me but I was there but it wasn't me um, did you sing loud enough that you got support no I know all, and it was a, 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 a clergy support them because um, we used to do a I lot of really gigs. liked clergy clergy were super really and, um, were when uh, we used to do an awful lot of gigs with clergy so somebody obviously just mixed us up with them and Who's that band from that's, that used to rehearse yeah, in that studio? Exactly. Oh, 20, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's what That's always going to happen. If you're linked with a band, you can get mixed up with that band. There was reviews, I think, in the Irish Independent talking about us supporting Machine Head. Yeah. It wasn't us, man. I but can't think of two more different bands in Ireland yeah, than very, Clergy and 20 Bulls each. Yeah, different bands. Clergy yeah. are on the two... Very Deftownsy po- tool kind uh, of... Per, uh, perfect, not uh, Porcupine Tree kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't know finger what we And you were... Dirty punk, yeah, just yeah, being drunk <laughs> and falling around, um, and um, yeah, these are fucking machine head. You know what the best thing to do with machine head is? What happened? They they started just after this album. It just went to dog shit. I think for them, when you ignore machine head, they come out with good shit. Yeah, leave them alone. Don't leave them alone. Yeah, because they came out in two thousand and seven with the blackening, which was just a straightforward but brilliant metal album. Mm. Back to machine head. I remember now. that, yeah, and that had so many absolute bangers on it. Blackening is fucking phenomenal album. In back to basics. Yeah, and even then after that they had a the couple backening it should be called. Yeah, the back the, the back to basics yeah. thing. <laughs> and after that they had a couple of good albums after that as well. But then they did another thing like they did Kaleidoscope and shit like that where they just that's not a good name for a metal band's album. But they're all dressed in white denim. Fuck off, dude! It's just so bad. Full on fuck off. Because that's the second time they went keeping up with the kids. And I don't, but the gas thing was they didn't even get it right this time with the that Kaleidoscope shit. Their ads just dirt. They are always trying to do something that's not always when they're ignored. They're brilliant, like I said. When they have time to, when no one's listening to them and no yeah. one's asking anything of Machine Head, they'll probably put out something quite good. My favorite Machine Head story is when they um, 
it's one of these legendary Dublin stories oh now, yeah where they, they played a gig in the Ambassador or whatever it was or the Academy yeah. and they went to where Fibber McGee is afterwards yeah. just for a few points and they went downstairs to the venue and there was some random metal band just playing it was an you know, unofficial after show yeah parties. it was one of these yeah. unofficial everybody in the in the game has done these before oh, I don't do unofficial and, um, I think they're shocking they are generally no I've done a couple I've done a couple you know what this is what I'll say I've never done uh, DME unofficial after show which is no you leave, was, leave DME leave the, 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 I would never piggyback off no if it's Aiken or something like that you fuck them yeah. yeah. take, take that money yeah. fuck but them. I don't really but, no leave with, DME alone anyway I don't really agree yeah there was an unofficial that's my fingers quotes yes. uh, finger positions and um, which became almost <laughs> very became official very official <laughs> because uh, Machine Head went to the unofficial after show party and there was uh, a metal band up on stage playing and fair play to Machine Head they just got up on stage. They just took the lads' gear, gear. <laughs> and just started doing a whole set of covers, I believe. Did covers, yeah. 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 Just fucking doing whatever an hour set after they owned their full set Amazing. in front of like a thousand people or more. And they went back to some little fucking shithole rock bar in Dublin yeah. and saying, there's a band. Fuck it, lads, let's get up. And they got up again and they played. Playing. Like, now, I don't know what band it was, so Who I knows? don't mean to say that their gear wasn't as good as Machine Heads. But I'm saying, their gear wasn't as good as Machine Heads. But Machine Heads took up the guitars, fucking blasted away. Blasted and apparently that, like, I'm fucking raged I didn't go out that night. But I didn't want to go and see Machine Heads, so I'm not going to go to that. Or but, an unofficial fucking... Well, I, th- yeah. I think I told the story in the podcast before that one of the better No Effects albums they got they got tired of all the um, I've said this before. I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah. a huge No Effects fan. They're, they're they're fine. They have some great songs. They they do great melodies and whatever. But um, they got to pay their bollocks for having loads of money, and all their albums sound the exact same. So yeah. they went to a recording studio, uh, some shitty recording studio in California, and there was some like sixteen and seventeen year olds, little punk band in there recording a little EP or a four track demo for themselves. They went in. They said, "Listen, here's fucking ten grand. Can we borrow your gear?" And they went in, they just took up all the yeah. like Fender Squares and shitty fucking Pearl Exports, if even, the garbage oh, equipment. And just, <laughs> and just fucking stood there. I, I imagine some band who were playing that going, you, we had great fucking yeah, equipment out there. Stag yeah. fucking drum kits or whatever they had. And in no effects went, took up all their gear in the ramps and in three hours just played their album that they'd written and recorded it and that's what they released. Yeah. Like, that's a cool fucking story. Funny story uh, about... Uh, Big bands playing Irish bands' equipment. I bought a guitar off Larmid. Larry, yeah. A gorgeous Ibanez mm. uh, Prestige. And two days later, he goes, You know the guitar I bought? He's like, Ah, oh, don't do it to me. No, no, don't do this to me. I love this guitar. He goes, No, no, no. Can I borrow it for a gig? He goes, You can borrow it for a gig. I'm not playing it. Yeah, Agnostic Front are playing it. I was like, Yeah, Grant. She goes, uh, We should do a podcast about Larmid stories. He's brilliant. One of my favourite people in the entire world. Brilliant. I can't. We were using. I was, do you know what? The other day I was trying to look at warm wax music, which yeah. is basically highly influenced by Limp Bizkit and possibly Machine Head. Yes. Well, uh, I've recorded with Lara. When Lara had a recording studio, he used to fight with the engineer they had in there because he, he was he used to fight all the time. He was like, the greatest guitar tone ever recorded is Limp Bizkit's guitar tone on Chocolate Starfish. Well, yeah, well, it's super. Don't get me wrong. It's super. It's good for me. I'm going to tell you right now. What's your favorite guitar tone ever recorded on a song? Off the top of your head, it's me say it's, it's a lot of stuff off uh, disintegration. Disintegration, or it's, it's fucking like I know I'm being real basic here, but some of the stuff. On, What's your on, best heavy? Your distortion. What's your favorite distorted guitar sound? Uh, 
well, possibly either the uh, Perfect Circle or mainly Rammstein because they put acoustic, that acoustic sound over to get to get that chink, 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 okay. chink. You know, they do, you know, in people record eight, yeah. eight metal guitars yeah. and let, pan them left, right, up, down, left, right. One you know, the, the first band I believe to do that with Clawfinger. Oh, yeah. Does it? Does it? Playlist I want to do. It's <laughs> the playlist I want yeah, to do with bands that shouldn't have done shouldn't the have. song and shouldn't have, but and, did. and everyone who knows Clawfinger knows what fucking yeah. song I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you're, you're just saying Ramstein is your favorite guitar. It's quite basic, but to me, it's not as it, it, it sounds basic. But they have the most beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so Larmy's one was anything off Chocolate Starfish. You want to know what my favorite heavy guitar tone of all time is? What? H blocks. I've got the, the power. power. That guitar <laughs> tone is <laughs> fucking glorious. It's <laughs> glorious. Whoever recorded that and whatever equipment there was, I'm sure it was bog standard, yeah. fucking Gibson True and Marshall, whatever. Accidental magic. Oh my fucking God. Now listen, I'm going to oh, tell you. Sorry, do you know what else is fucking amazing? Mm. Rock from the Crypt. Rock from the Crypt guitar tone is beautiful. Oh, beautiful. stop. It's, it's just magic. It's magic. Yeah. But that H-Blocks cover of The Power snaps The Power, right? Yeah. Don't worry about the song. I love the song, but don't worry about yeah, it. That almost made it <laughs> onto our covers. If you listen, exactly, it's so good. But listen, if you're into guitar tones and you like guitars, maybe you play guitar, whatever, go to YouTube or Spotify and search out H-Blocks, The Power, and listen to that guitar tone. Do you know where I think they may have got a touch of that? Booyah Tribe. Booyah Tribe, yeah. The yeah, Tribe's metal feel. album is the worst thing of all time. We can't, I can't find that anywhere. You can't, I'll, I'll give it to you. Give it to me, yeah. It's the worst <laughs> thing you've ever heard. You know. It's gospel metal. It's the worst <laughs> thing you've ever heard. You know. Anyway. We've gone completely off track. Yeah. We, we rarely do too much. And it's not like Nerdy where we started off talking about Marvin and we're talking about Baby Dicks and Daz. And <laughs> not, we not, talked about Baby Dicks a couple weeks ago. You did, yeah. yeah. Did. And I'm, not giving, was, I'm not giving anybody any more information about that sentence. You're going to have to come up Buy me a point and maybe I'll tell you. That context was not as sinister as it sounded. Far I mean, it was from. my last comment. I guarantee you'll laugh. We're talking about our own ones. Oh, no, someone's... No, kind of. Are, no, yeah, so anyway. What is your last... My last and the one. last of Keeping Up With The Kids. Is a, is a weird one. It's Cool Keith. Cool Keith. And it's from last year. It's from 2018. He's one of your favourite rappers, isn't he? Cool will be... Uh, I am very appreciative of everything that Cool Keith has ever, ever put out. You sound like me talking about Queen. Yeah, yeah. There's a big joint book um, coming. Kilke has an awful lot of garbage um, yeah. because he's very, very prolific. Um, I believe he's got 40-something albums in the ether Jesus. floating around. Um, but he released an album last year called Controller of Trap. And this is Kilke's attempt at, uh, not, at taking over trap music. Not trap. Oh, trap's awful. Don't do it, Keith. You're, so, you're better than this. You're better than this. So this song's called Bottle Pop. And it's actually, it's probably the best song of the album. One I of did the listen ones. to it. And yeah. I, you know what? I bet you it's good. It is good. Mm. I listen to it and it has it's, it sounds lovely yeah and it's it's really easy to listen to yeah and you know what I, I, you know what it's almost not really trappy it there is are, there are most certainly trap songs no, on that album but that that's probably yeah. the most no no it is no undoubtedly but he's commercially viable one for people's ears what I mean by that is it's almost too good to be considered oh, yeah, yeah, trap because yeah, yeah. trap well, is mostly trash a lot trap. of a lot of trap is shit. The, the problem with trap is trap started in the late nineties early two thousands and it. Really? That, that yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, came from the south. I think came from Houston originally, and um, it was a kind of an underground movement fueled by necessity 
I mean, tra- Trap is basically just a, a shitty repetitive baseline and a, a tiny synth beep 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 and, and, and an, yeah. a, an 808 drum kit. That, that's all oh, has to be 808 or else Big, it's not really. A few trap. claps in there as well, isn't there? So they use claps instead of snares. Yeah, that time. yeah, that's that's the um, thing. But that, that, it's nearly nine times out of ten, it's it's an 808. As far as I'm concerned, for it to be trap music, you have to use an 808 drum drum yeah. machine. It, it, it's just the sound. But uh, Kill Keith decided, listen, it's been twenty years. I think I'll just take it over. So he banged out this album called Controller Trap. I oh, didn't didn't even know this album was coming out. Kill Keith bangs out an album pretty much at least once a year. He had a new one come out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Keith. Uh, <laughs> He's running out of fucking names for real. Um, he um, now Kill Keith was probably this is this is weird. Kill Keith is famous on two fronts. He's famous because he was in the Ultra Magnetic MCs, mm. and that would where uh, would be where a lot of uh, purists would like him. Now, Kill Keith also. Has he has about must be twenty fucking different personalities that he releases albums with. He released one album. We had one major label um, album. Uh, Kill Keith's called Black Elvis. And it's it's fucking it's fantastic. It's very very good. But he went back to being kind of an independent artist after that. I didn't work out for him. But his most famous output of all time is Doctor Octagon. Yeah, right. So the first Doctor Octagon. There's in theory three Doctor Octagon albums. I'd like to say that I didn't know, that I did know, that Cookie was Dr. Octagon. Did you not know that? Really? I'd like to say. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Cookie is Dr. Octagon. Well, I've listened to both of yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Oh, great. is Dr. Octagon. I'm right? not a big, I'm not, yeah. I don't, a boy. I could have fucking ignored that, yeah. but I had to admit yeah. that. All right. So, Dr. Octagon is Kilkey. That's his one of, one of his uh, major alter egos. And, uh, the first album was like DJ Qbert and it, that's a cultural phenomenon that first Doc Crockett album now there was a second Doc this is, this is a cool little story there was a sec, second Dr. Octagon album I think it was called Octagon 2 The Return or some shit like that and basically what it was there was a record label approached him and said we are interested in releasing a second Dr. Octagon album and he said maybe this was years later years wasn't it years later like fuck this is the Jesus, this would have been maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So was this, like was this people that later. were just like, we want more of that? Yes. Yeah. So they brought him in to a recording studio. And they had a load of this random, blippy, bloppy, back and track shite ready for him. And uh, Kill Keith being, being Kill Keith was like, he just straight off the top of his head. He just rap about fucking... He called his still porno car. Porno <laughs> car, right? Because every... If you listen unlike, to... Unlike Coolio's porn hub car. Porn hub car. If you listen to act like straight up Kill Keith songs, every song is about pissing on boards. It's <laughs> shocking. He is fucking a terrible person, right? It's about eating shite and pissing on women. <laughs> and he's just... It, it's brutal. After it's brutal. But um, they brought him into the studio. And um, they said, listen, just, you know, do some random off-the-flow bullshit. You know, let's warm up the microphones or whatever. So he spent like two hours just bullshitting into the microphone. And when he finished with it, he said, you know what? I really don't want to do it. Octagon 2 album. <laughs> After that? After he'd recorded and all these, like, just scratch bullshit nonsense. Just him talking at the microphone. Absolute nonsense. And the studio and the label said, well, uh, you, signed, you signed the contract. Didn't saying they give him we were going to make it. Didn't they give him a cloth full of fucking notes as well? No. Well, I think he made maybe a few, Bob. But he was like, no, I don't want the money. Right, Whatever okay, okay, right. But, so he fucked off. And left them with just like hours of him just talking, like reading newspapers and all of the microphones. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, here's where it gets interesting. That record label said, Do you know what? 
fuck it, fuck him. And they handed it out to this, uh, I think he was German. It's a kid, wasn't it? Some, some young fella. Yeah. They handed it out to some like, German, I think, I think he was German, some young fella. And said, here's like hours of Kill Keith talking, scutter into a microphone. See what you can do. Yeah. Fucker came back like two weeks later with an album. Right? Came back with a full album. And I'm not lying, it's fucking alright. It's alright. In comparison to the first one? The garbage. No, Very nowhere different. near it. But this is much closer to something like Les Rhythms Digitalis. This has the 80s right. kind of synthy cyber pop. But not, it was salvaged in some regards. Fucking salvaged to bits. Yeah. There's a song on it called, uh, I think it's called Green Trees or uh, The Trees or something. So it's, is Kill Keith sitting at home looking at his bank balance and is, 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 is his fucking. I doubt he made is, a penny. Is his, I was going to say, is his account ring going, you're lighting up here a little bit? Mm got a few bank camps there's a little bit but I think he, he's disowned it he's never played any of it live he's done with it the whole bank yeah. yeah now last year he released Octagon 2 it's called Moose Bumps this he is his that. actual Octagon his actual two. album with the original DJ Qbert all of them and it's fucking deadly it's very cool is it now, the kids the German kids oh ones? yeah well, yeah, right. yeah. now the, the, the second one Octagon 2 The Return or the Revenge whatever it's called um, it has warrant because it's interesting yeah. Mostly because of the story behind it, but um, th- there are songs on there that are interesting because they're. It's more of a. It's not a rap album. It has this weird, like remix album feel to it. Remember back in the late nineties, everybody had a remix album. Yeah, it has that feel to it. Where, but we never heard the original. You yeah, yeah, yeah. The you music know? would almost take precedence with very the much vocal, lyrics and vocals yeah. are secondary to the yeah, music. Yeah. Very much because yeah. that poor young fella had fuck all to work with. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but Kill Keith is famous. Cause smack my bitch up by the Prodigy. That line is from a Kill Keith That's song. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, smack my bitch up. So um, he is a dork boy. He's an absolute <laughs> scumbag. He has a band with a uh, Ice T called the Analog Brothers. Right. His little rap group. He has, he has about ten. To be fair to him, he has about fucking ten. To be uh, fair, rap it's groups. He, he done a, he done a song with Peep and Tom. That's right. That's yeah. the one I. Is that, that that's not the one I put on? I only know that Mojo song. I don't yeah. Know. Um, Dude, listen to that album. He, um, I did actually, and I did enjoy it. I did yeah. since the first one. I have enjoyed it. He done a song with the Yeah Yeah Yeah's as well. Um, but right. that album, Controller Trap, is most certainly him. Like the name of the album is exactly what he done. You know what I mean? Yeah. He took trap music, made it his own, and trap music realistically has had the mic dropped on it now. He's like, I'm done now. Yeah, like, there's nobody on earth. I think uh, when I think it was do enemy. You reckon, do you reckon a lot of times rappers will hear a trend and go, "We could fucking do that." Bro. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. We could hundred percent do that, bro. Yeah, look at Crunk. Yeah, you know, like, can Kenny West listen to anything with an eight oh eight? Well, he used that a lot before, yeah. but he released an album eight oh eights and heartbreaks. One hundred percent, I can do that. <laughs> That's why yeah, Eminem came from uh, lifting stuff off Esham. Esham was like the original kind of acid rapper um, from Detroit. He's fucking amazing. Esham has some savage albums, some absolutely savage albums. And uh, real Eminem, there's interviews with Eminem where he says like I pretty much lifted everything off Ishan yeah. to the point where Ishan got real pissy that Eminem was a multi fucking millionaire and they start getting in rows. Ishan had his eye poked out by one of the fucking lads from D12 at, a, at, a, oh, at an awards, that, yeah. Yeah, at an award show Oof. because he went up to Eminem like fucking, oh you take my shit, and Eminem's like set the boys on him. Yeah, he was literally all scumbags. Purple pills. Here, have a tenner. Fucking kill him. Kill Isham. You know what I mean? Absolute dopebags. I remember when Proof from Isham, from uh, from D12 died. I was going to Detroit an awful lot, and um, I remember as you came out of the airport, they had these giant billboards as you entered Detroit, saying like Proof R.I.P. Welcome to fucking Proofland. Welcome to 
Proof's Detroit, all this kind of shit. I think his oh, name was, yeah, I yeah. think it was Proof. I think that, that was the name. I could be wrong. I get him and Com- dead, Common there's, mixed there's up. Only, there's only four of them left. No, no, I don't remember. Sorry, sorry, anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah, Eminem gave uh, the, the D12 lads a lot of purple pills and they poked fucking Esham's head out yeah. with, with a baseball bat or whatever it is. But like, <laughs> listen, they all fucking did the same bullshit. Anyway, let's leave it at that. We've gone over time. I'd like to hear what other people's version of Keeping Up With The Kids, a band that took a trend on, did it work out? Because I, I can't see another volume of this one, to be perfectly honest. I'd, I'd say you could probably do a lot of them, but you'd be stretching. Yeah, I think this this one for this me. One, this one should live in the comments, I believe. I, I absolutely agree. Normally, we don't want. You see, we don't. We don't want, want to, you talking to us. You fuck. We don't want too much suggestions because then we have to. If we already had that in our mind. We have to avoid them too. Then we have to kind of. Like, oh, he's picked my song. I told him to pick that. Yeah. No. So this is the one I'd really like people to talk about. Thanks for listening to our Keeping Up With The Kids, which I feel like me and Gar are constantly trying to do. Keeping Up With The Kidashians. <laughs> uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs>